God bless you. This is Pastor R.R. Jordan. Thank you for tuning into the Advancing Church Podcast. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10 and 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I pray that today's message will ignite your faith to propel you forward to the next level in your walk with Christ. Now let's get into today's message. Glory to God. Welcome to the Advancing Church where the presence of God is tangible. Glory to God. You know, God is doing something really powerful in this season. At this particular time in our lives, God wants us to deal with the issues. You know, often in church, uh, we have a great time. We listen to great sermons, but I don't know how often we really uh, dig deep to find out what's going on with us because many of us, we have embedded issues, reasons why we do what we do. Yeah, there's a reason for, for the behavior. There's a reason why we often enter into relationships that are loveless and God wants you to be loved. He doesn't want you to be used. He doesn't want your body to be taken advantage of. He wants your mind to be at peace. But we have to learn how to love ourselves and love God before we can love anybody else. And you know, I've found that, you know, some of the relationship merry-go-rounds that we see are often right here in the church. You know, people who go from one relationship to another. Sometimes it's the young man who is lifting up his hands in worship that has embedded issues. And so as a result of his embedded issues, he's always looking for someone to fill the void. And often we do that through relationships we find someone to take up the time so so we don't have to deal with the issue and so i think that it's important for us today to uh, revisit the story the story of leah and her her struggle in a relationship that doesn't want her Yeah, it is possible to be in a relationship with someone that doesn't want you. So let's revisit Genesis 29 verses. I'm just going to read a couple verses, and then we're going to begin to have a conversation with the panel here because we have some people who have insight, and we want to pull on them. Amen? So, So Genesis 29 Uh, Verse 31 through 32, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated. Now, there's a a story. We're going to dig deeper into this story because it obviously goes into Genesis chapter 30. But but I want to uh, pause for a minute and look at what God said. Because this is not something that Leah is saying, right? She knows you know, that she's dealing with someone who doesn't want her. But it says, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, 
in her relationship. That, that has to be painful to be in a relationship and be hated. He said he compensated her. He said, I'm not going to allow you to be hated and fruitless. So let me open up your womb and allow you to have children. I'm going to give you something. I'm not going to allow you to be in this relationship and, and have nothing. God said, I'm going to give you some joy in opening your womb. Aren't you glad that God will give you joy even in a bad situation? I'm so grateful that God, there, there will be times where you can have joy even in a bad situation. And the scripture says, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son and she called his name Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked upon my what affliction for now my husband will love me now that's not true he ain't gonna love her because of that so so my, my first question that I really want to present because there's so many family issues right there are issues within the family uh, that we really need to dig into to find out um, why uh, Leah is in this position, right? So there are family issues. And so, so the first question that I want to ask uh, to Pastor uh, Michael, and I'm going to give, I want to give them a chance to introduce themselves um, because they're so fabulous and wonderful. Uh, I want you to know, I want you to know exactly who they are. So we're going to start with you, Pastor Michael. Who are you? Okay, here we go. Blessings. Awesome. Um, thank you, Pastor, Pastor Jordan. I'm one of the executive pastors here at the Advancing Church, Pastor Michael Whitley. Uh, it's been an honor and a blessing to, to be a part of a body that's moving and advancing God's kingdom, a loving, giving, supportive, dynamic, amazing ministry, doing great things, not just in St. Louis, but throughout the city, throughout the state, and international impact and influence under the leadership of uh, Pastor Rasan Jordan and First Lady Stacy Jordan, an amazing leadership team and body of Christ. So I'm Pastor Michael Whitley, honored to be on the dais and the uh, panel here with these esteemed ladies. So thank you, Pastor. Pastor Mickey, one of the executive pastors here. I'm excited about being here and what is going to happen in this conversation. Um, I'm just in awe of just being here with y'all. Amen. My name is Ann Billingsley. I am the women's leader here at the Advancing Church. And thank you, Pastor Jordan, for inviting me here to share, to share on this topic. Amen. Amen. I know it's going to be powerful. And so um, I was having this conversation uh, via Clubhouse, and they were talking about arranged marriages. And they were saying, well, arranged marriages, they were more successful than the marriages that we have today, you know, to arrange uh, this lifelong commitment between two people. And I said, well, it's, it wasn't really two people because those families vetted each other. Yes, sir. And, and so what's important to understand is that in the dating process, you're never going to get all of them you can find out more about them through the people who reared them. Yes, sir. 
So you need to talk to uncle, you need to talk to dad, you need to talk to granddad because they will tell you what's in the child. Amen. Why? Because they put it there. Come on. And so here, here is something that we really need to be able to consider. Should we know the family history of those we're considering marrying? Pastor Michael Whitley. Thank you, Pastor Jordan. God bless you. So I would say it is imperative that you not only date court and get to know the individual that you plan to marry, but it is a must to get to know the family history. Mama, daddy, uncles, siblings, go to family functions, go to Fourth of July celebrations, go to Thanksgiving, go to Christmas events. Why? Because you not only get to see the individual that you're working and, and dating and courting, but as Pastor mentioned, you get to spend time with those that rear that individual. Likes, dislikes, family dysfunction, whatever you see, see what you see. And as Dr. Maya Angelou told Oprah years ago, when people show you who they are, believe them and believe them the first time. Good, bad, or indifferent. And so, yes, it's vitally important to know that you're not just marrying the individual, you're marrying the family in its entirety. And then when you learn if issues of diabetes, high blood pressure, and you can understand family history and medical dynamics, then it also can impact the individual that you're marrying too. If someone died of a heart attack and someone has cancer, then is it a family bloodline issue or is it an individual issue? So you can know what to pray about because then it's a lineage in that situation and in that process. So I would say it's highly critical to know the family of what you're possibly marrying into, right, wrong, good, bad, or indifferent. It's effective. Amen. Pastor Mickey? Yes, marriages are blend. I'm staying on here because I'll go somewhere else. I, I got to <laughs> stay right here. Yes, marriages are blending more than you two. And even if you choose not to directly involve them in your life, you will indirectly have effect on the union. So even if you're saying, well, I know your cousin is crazy. We're not going to let him come to the house. But if cousin get locked up in the middle of the night and your mate love them, your mate going to get them. So even if y'all make the agreement not to directly involve them, they will indirectly affect you. My Lord. And? Um, I agree. I agree with that. It is essential that you know the person's family, you know the history of the family, um, that's something that I did when my husband and I were just being friends. We wasn't even dating at the time. We were courting. Well, we were just b building a friendship. And I listened. I was slow to speak in those conversations. I wasn't trying to parade who I am and what I have and, you know, try to flaunt who I am in front of him so he can receive me. But I listened closely to the way he dealt about his mom and talked about his sister and talked about his grandmother. We went down his history, and he actually was the first man to ask me about my family history, which, wow. which uh, in exchange really enlightened me and wanted me to get to know him even better. So I believe that it's essential that you know uh, the history of your family. Excellent. You know, I, I was saying, yeah, you could give her a hand on that. I was saying, you know, I was in conversation with some bishops and some pastors um, around the city, and I was having this conversation. I said, you know, I, I don't know um, how much divorce 
is the issue. I think that the real issue may be that we're not doing the work before marriage, right? Meaning that um, if we can stop people from marrying people they were never supposed to be with, then we could solve the divorce issue too. That means that there will be a decrease. What am I talking about? I'm talking about premarital counseling, right? So if we, if we really do the vetting that's necessary, then you won't get married, and then next week you talk about, I don't know why I did it. No, we want to get you all of the information. Because when you say yes, we want you to say yes for life. So if you see some issues in there and you look at it and you say, well, I don't know if I can deal with this for the rest of my life, then you can make a decision and go in another direction, right? And so we do, we want people to vet who they're going to marry because we don't want to see you in divorce court. We don't want to see a family shattered because you made an unwise decision. Amen. So we want people to really do the hard work. And I think that we can see the divorce rate decrease because some of these people won't make a decision to spend the rest of their lives together. They may just say, you know what? We just going to be friends. <laughs> we just going to be friends. I'm just, I'm going to love you and, and we're going to know each other, but it's better that we stay friends. Okay, my, my next question is this, because this is all in the text here. You know, there is um, competing that happens between Leah and Rachel. And, and so what I really want to talk about is um, spouses that compete, right? Uh, people that you are considering uh, spending your life with that compete. How harmful is it uh, to compete for the attention of someone you love? Now, now I know that you know, if you love them, you should be giving them some level of attention. But some people have an insatiable appetite for attention. There are people that will compete with your child. You're spending too much time with your kids. You know, I've heard it all over the years of doing counseling. And I'm like, wait a minute, the child is innocent here. Let's not, let's not compete with them whatsoever. Let's complete them. Let's, let's declare some things over their lives that will cause them to realize how amazing they are. So this is critically important. How, um, let's start with Pastor Mickey. Pastor Mickey, how critically important is it that we not compete? Because it says to your mate, I choose me. When it comes down to you or me, I'm going for me. Because yeah. this is what compete is. Compete is to strive to gain or win something by defeating or establishing superiority already over that person. So Wait, 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 wait. So, say that again. To compete is to establish what? It's to strive to gain. That means I, I listen to you only to gain leverage over you. And I took stuff that you were saying and hid it so that I could take it out to cripple you when you come up against me. So compete is to strive to gain or win something by defeating or establishing superiority over another, which is you. So I will never love you if you compete against me because I'm never comfortable with you and I don't trust you. 
So even in my language, you're taking things away from me that you'll later kill me because you don't know how to emotionally manage yourself. Oh, my Lord. Oh, you don't know how to emotionally manage yourself. Comes to me or you dying, you're going to always choose you. Oh, my Lord. Somebody give God some praise for that revelation. That means that somebody is always losing in the relationship. And that is painful to be in a relationship in which competition is always going on. And therefore, someone has to suffer a loss. It's damaging to the overall health of the relationship. And so no one wants to live in competition. Amen. You know, even if you're a basketball player or a football player, you enjoy competition on the field. But when you get home, you want to be in a relationship that completes you. You don't want to be competing there. Glory to God. So, so Pastor Michael, answer that question for me. You just mentioned about competing and, uh, you know, championship DNA is what I talk about. So why not have championship DNA in a marriage? Pastor Ron and, and, and Donna mentioned that on Marriage Mondays. And they gave a good formula for championship DNA in a marriage. Well, competing with your mate is subtracting and dividing from the relationship. God multiplies and adds, but competition subtracts and divides. So if we're not playing from the same playbook, then you own the opposing team, but yet in the covenant. So the issue with competing is that Amos 3.3 says, how can... We walk together unless we be in agreement. So competing is going against the opposite of what God instructed for us to be in a covenant with. And so competing also shows a form of insecurity. It shows a form of threat to the environment. And what you fell in love with the, with the individual, don't then try to trim away from what gives them life. That is also competing. And so you can fall in love with what they do and how, who they are, but then if you start trimming away from them, then you deduct from the whole person, and that is competing that will eventually lead to resentment. You all are giving it this morning. Y'all must have talked to Jesus last night. <laughs> this is so good, right? This is so good. Um, if you are competing, and we're going to getting ready to come to you, and uh, if you are competing, what what do you need to do to see that um, that void or whatever it is in you, that insecurity that's in you, healed? Because um, we're 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 actually looking at um, this narrative, right? I don't want nobody to think I'm talking about you. We're looking at the narrative. It was Leah and Rachel. They were competing. We're looking at this narrative, right? And so what would you suggest? Because I, I think that before you can really get some real healing, obviously, you got to recognize the behavior. It's not good enough for somebody else to tell you, 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 you you're, you're acting up. You're, you're doing the wrong thing. You're hurting the relationship. At some point, you have to recognize, 
I'm doing it. So how can we come to this level of awareness and consciousness concerning our behavior? What would you suggest? First, I would definitely get in God's face. God, show me me for who I am, not the clothes, not what you drive, not what you got in your bank account. Like Adam was bucket naked. He was transparent, right? <laughs> he was without sin before he and Eve fell. And so what I mean by that is he, there was no want for Adam. And so that's how naked we need to get before God. So then God can show us who we are to identify those areas of healing, those areas of traumas, those areas that trigger us, those areas that get us off course, whether it's therapy, whether it's pastoral counseling, whatever you need to deal with to identify the issues and then address them. We cannot identify with them until we address what they are to then know how we need to help. Once we get the help, do the work. Do the work. I mean, like personally, I'm doing my work. I'm up on a platform and I'm here speaking, but I'm doing my own work. And so what we need to do is do the work so that we can bear much fruit so that our fruit shall remain. And it's how God in, uh, instructed us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, but many of us are not living uh, according to that, Pastor. And so how we do that is let's show up different. Renew our mind, like Romans 12, 1, 2, and 1 and 2 says. So we have to get a different perspective to produce a different result. We can't show up emotionally thinking, oh, you my husband and you my wife. No. Have you done the work on the front end? So then when you get to I do, now you are an asset to one another. So that's how you can identify and move on. Excellent. You know, you know when you got a jealous spirit. I'm talking about before you even got married. You know, you, you watch somebody else do well and you know what was rising up on the inside of you. Right. So when it comes to competition, you can't cheer for the person you're competing against. And, and I'm telling you, people know you can smile, you can you can applaud, but people know if you really, really want to see them win. And so this is something that must be healed, even if you got to go to counseling or whatever it is that you need to do. Go to counseling, get the help that you need so you can fully recover. And I'm coming to you now. So how harmful is it to compete for the attention of someone that you love? Amen. And I, uh, in reading this, I put the, that competition leads to pride, it leads to jealousy, it leads to enticement. Uh, we know that James 1 and 13 says when, Tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted by their own evil desires and enticement. And the definition for one of the definitions was seduction and convincing and luring and charming. So now you have to tap into a, a place of witchcraft. You have to tap into a place of, of mind manipulation to say, hey, I am better than you and you are nothing. So in that, I did write um, that what you argue for, you get to keep because you're arguing to, to win, because you're arguing to compete, to say that, hey, I'm better, you enter into a place of pride, and the Bible says that pride comes before destruction. Now you have opened the door for destruction that leads to divorce. Now you have opened the door to say, hey, I win, and you lose. That's what competition is. Someone has to win, and someone has to lose. 
So now we are mishandling the marriage, and now we're off balance. And we know that God is a God of balance. So now we just open the door for just mass destruction. And it starts, as you said, in the singlehood. It starts when you're single. You know if you're jealous or not. You know, that's the, for me, singlehood was the basic training for marriage. I didn't know why I was going through some of the things I went through. I didn't know why I had to catch that thought, pull it down. You know, those high thoughts against uh, Christ that comes up against Christ. Pull it down now so that when I get married, now instead of being a, a mass manipulator, instead of competing with my husband, I get to put, well, I won't, I'm going to keep that. <laughs> I'll just say I get the cheer for him. <laughs> I was going to say what I wear as a cheerleader, but you all know what cheerleaders wear. This is PG-13. Come on. So I'll just say now I get to cheer for him. Amen. Amen. That's a girl talk. Yes, that's a girl talk. Pastor Vicki, you got something that you want to add to this? I was just going to say, you know, when you were talking about that part about that you know your mate knows there's a difference between surface and intimacy intimacy is where you and I touch one another it's where we're connected at for you to think that you can hide something from someone that you're intimate with is foolish you can be who you are like that way with people that you're surface with but when you come to me rather you take your clothes off you're naked and I can feel that you're not really on my team so that's why most of the time you could be in relationships with people, they can have sex and all that, and you get all that thinking that they're there with you or whatever. People can have sex with their enemy and keep moving. Wait a minute. Pastor Mickey, you don't come in here dropping bombs like that. People can have sex with their enemy and keep it moving. So, so that's not intimacy then, right? Right, because this is the thing. I like the way you have sex, but I like the way she makes me feel. I don't have to have sex with her. But what I need, she gives me, and then when I get the H word, I come to you. And so we were just wasting time because you think that how you really feel on the inside is being hidden by somebody that you're intimate with. They just not saying nothing because they don't want to deal with your foolishness because they know you're, un, you're emotionally unmanageable. Now, now you, you just done pulled something else out of the narrative uh, because this is powerful. Jacob was still having sex with Leah. So he had sex with her, but he was in love with Rachel but see here's the thing when she had the third child she said maybe this time he'll connect with me now watch this which meant the second time the first time even if she only had sex with him and got pregnant and never had sex again we know at least she had sex three times and she had sex with him knowing he don't love me what a woman has to acknowledge is what that does to you psychologically you can keep telling yourself, oh, it's about the money, sister. It's, it's messing with you in ways you can't even imagine. So then when a good guy comes along, you want to treat him like Tyrone. I'm about to get off the stage and just let you... 
I lived it. I lived that. I lived it. Now, now this, this is so deep because there are people who are looking for marriage, but they're letting someone use them sexually. Right? And so you in the you, church. In the church. In the church. Let's not even talk about the people in the street. We're talking about single women having sex with Tyrone in the church. That's what we're gonna talk about right here, because that's where we at. And you wanna be married to you waiting and you on be Boaz. And you marry, but you got a maintenance man. Shh. And see the thing about that is God God knows. Right? And, and the, those relationships are hurting you. They are hurting you. You are the one that the guy looks at or the girl looks at and says, I'm going to use you for my pleasure. And you have settled for a life of this. Just one relationship after another. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You, 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 ready, to, you ready to run. <laughs> This but and but the here's truth. the thing, you step into a perverted posture to please this person, but you still say you love God. And then when they choose God, they can't choose you because you in a perverted position. Most men that deal with trick girls or fun girls don't marry them. And now you mad because they go and marry the person that was serious about their relationship with God. You can never save somebody on top of them. Can you repeat that? My God. See, here's the thing, and I'm, I'm going to be done. Because mo most women, the only time, the only reason why she's still sleeping with this man, because sometimes it's my competition with Rachel. But don't realize that ain't how the enemy plays the game. All he cares about is you show up in bed with this right here. Because you can be saying to yourself, I'm only sleeping with him because I'm trying to get back at her. But all the while, that loose, that it's getting around your neck. And now you're trying to like get away and you can't. You are competing for a relationship that don't even want you. And, and the thing about that, it makes you feel like you are winning because you actually had that opportunity to engage in sexual activity for that moment, temporary satisfaction. And you're saying, okay, well, I, I got something out of it. Well, I, I, I hooked up with her or I hooked up with him. And, and you don't understand, you're training yourself. You are psychologically damaging yourself. And, and by the time you meet somebody that may be ready for you, you're not ready for them. And so this, this is a major issue. And that's why we're having this conversation. Why? Because we want to see you whole. And we don't want you praying for something that you're not, you're not even ready for. You're praying for a relationship that you're going to kill if you get it. And so we're trying to help you get totally healed, set free, and delivered. Why? Because a lot of that stuff that you're experiencing and going through right now, it was placed on the inside of you, in your family. It came through your lineage. It came through your genealogy. And we want to get it out of you. God wants to deliver you. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah.
listen, if you're being blessed by this, I want you to comment, this is blessing me. All of you who are in virtual land right now, put in the comments, this is blessing my life. This is so powerful. Okay, let's, let's, go, let's move to another question because y'all done just ripped that one to shreds. What is stopping us from seeing the issues that hinder us from having a great relationship? What's stopping us from seeing our issues? What is that that's blocking our vision? Because this is the truth, that people could come into the house of God, hear a whole sermon on relationships. We can talk about the dysfunction and, and people will leave and say, that wasn't for me. That was for Johnny. I wish my husband was here. The whole sermon was really dealing with your issue. Why? Because God knew you would be here. He knew he wouldn't be here. And so God had a word for you. So what, what is stopping us from really being able to see our issues so that we can deal with our stuff? And Billingsley. All right. So um, I put the process. That's, a, that's one of the things that can stop people from wanting to see their issues. And it do, it's a very great hindrance because the process, you, you will have to kill who you pretend to be. Mm. No one really wants to die to the flesh. They don't want to die. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. We, we can't just let you say, say that and just keep going. You have to what? Kill who you pretend to be. So somebody got to die. That person that you posting all on social media, all we see you do is look sexy. But on the inside, you dying, but you looking alive in the video. So you got to kill that image before you can meet your reality. Oh, my God. So you was talking to Jesus last night, too. <laughs> and this morning. And this morning. You have to kill who you pretend to be. Wow, I'm just going, I'm letting that soak right now. There is a you that you have imagined and created. You have to kill that version of you if the real authentic you is going to live. I know you get a whole lot of likes for that person you pretend to be. I know that people celebrate the person you pretend to be. So you get more attention for the pretend you than you do for the real you. See, this is part of the problem because often why we don't see our issues is because we've placed a lot of people around us or a circle around us of people who pretend, oh my God, who pretend with us. Yeah, that, that pretend person, they, 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 they tell you that's really you. And, you. and then when somebody come and they want to tell you the truth, then they get crucified. Why? Because you got a circle of people around you lying to you. Blind leading the blind. The blind leading the blind. 
this is so important that you get see see you could either have a circle of people around you or you can find yourself in isolation in isolation you get to lie to yourself over and over and over again you're like i don't want nobody to meet me because they may see the real me so let me stay in isolation. I'm not trying to be a part of your men's group. I don't need to be a part of the ladies group. I don't want to do none of that because I've created this image and I want to keep her alive. And if I come into your environment, you may discover that I've been putting on the whole time. Ooh, can I jump in right there? Please. So not only has maybe the female has uh, been putting on and putting up a pretend and got likes and loves and all of that, but then there's an image of a man that they also have in their mind that says, I want that what's on the uh, Betty Crocker box. But the ingredients to get there, you may not be willing to be patient enough to deal with the result to get there. I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And so not only is the person got an image of who they are that's not, that's a pretend, they then have an image of the ideal mate or Boaz in their mind that Boaz didn't even know. Boaz didn't even know that that's what you thought of. Okay, I'm showing up and we did whining and dining and all of that. But then now you have projected an image in your head that the person didn't agree to. So Leah and Rachel had conflict because Leah was getting what Rachel desired and then Rachel was barren and so she gave her servant and her maid to say, all right, well now you go and do what I need to do because I'm barren. And then all of the conflict and the dysfunction got really ugly really fast. Translating that to our lives, our stuff and our projection and our uh, uh, perceived way on Facebook and TikTok and all of that gets really messy really fast. Why? Because we let the flesh and our emotion and our impulse drive us versus being in tune with the Holy Spirit to know this is going to cost me something if I make that decision. So a lot of times we don't count up the cost, Pastor, in the competition or in the desire of what we want. It may not be what God wants for us, but we're already so deep into it that we're not really to, willing to uproot the thing that he said, no, that's not my will for you. you Pastor Mickey, you got something because listen, we we probably gonna have to come back and revisit some of this because this this I only got to two questions. <laughs> Pastor Mickey, you got something you want to add? I just wanted to add this this part too, and a lot of reason why we don't move forward like what he was just saying at the end is because we have become okay with settling. And see, what we don't admit is that a whole lot of people are internally exhausted. And see, all the while you smiling and stuff, the only reason why you still occupy in that space is because they are too afraid to be vacated. They don't want to vet nobody else. It ain't about them loving you. It's just that they don't want to go through all the work of getting nobody else. But you ain't doing it for them. And that's what you've got to get. What is the thing? Is it salvageable or not? Because if the relationship is not giving us what we need, then something is going on. I don't want you to have to settle to be with me. Because there's a line of people that do. Mickey, can I? So what started out as purpose become projects.
but started out with the journey of we you you godly i'm godly okay we got a vision we gonna do some stuff and then thing after thing now purpose well no now that's a project now and that's a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth and a tenth by the time you get done you're so exhausted away from purpose that you are focusing on projects and i say this often broken focus delays destiny but 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 check this out you you you're that brilliant mega man on the stage that says that right or that what that boss woman that says you're in this and you see that this person don't do that but you still stay see that's the part that's messing us up on the in, inside of ourselves. we still stay and what you're teaching yourself is for them how to teach you you still stay some people will only respect space the only thing that's going to discipline you is your subtraction of me. All right, I'm just going to get off the stage because Pastor Mickey and Pastor Michael, they just going back and forth. They don't need me. Hello. Yes, we do, Pastor. <laughs> Can I add something to this? Go ahead. Um, so what I noticed too, reading about Leah and Rachel, that Rachel didn't even ask to be blessed in that position. He came after her. So the jealousy that Leah had was she was jealous of a blessing that the woman of didn't even ask for. And that happens. Oh, God, it happens so many times. I was just minding my business. So I, God converted me from Leah to Rachel. But as Pastor Mickey was saying, wait a minute. you used wait, to wait, be wait, Leah. Wait, wait, wait. Transparently, he converted me from Leah to Rachel. And it took the space to convert me. So I had to go through the process to get to the promise. So can, can I, me and her have a discussion right here for women? Let me get, let me just scoop so, 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 so she's Rachel, I'm Leah. And he wants her. Who am I? Leah. I'm Leah. I've got my own thing that's going on, right? He wants her. Why am I? mad at her why am i mad at her because he wants her i don't love her i love him so my fight is never with her i have my own individual relationship with him why am i mad with her and women all over the world think you're gonna get him if you fight her the only time that that works is when he's a narcissist because he's built on ego stuff. Mm. Who's fighting over me? Who? And he's only going to be with that knight who wins. Come on. Wow. So I just wanted to just say that part to women all over the world that's yes. looking at this. Yes. I don't hate Rachel. Rachel's got her own thing that's going on. I'm a cheer for Rachel. Watch this. I'm a cheer for Rachel even if she gets him. Because watch this. If she gets him, he wasn't my... <laughs> Yeah. And here it's here because being mad at her ain't gonna keep him with me. At all. At all. Come on. And the and the thing is, is it was putting she was begging for the babies to have the babies. I even know uh, of women that beg for genders of a baby. Uh, because I had his first girl, 
now you're mad, now you're jealous. But that was never the thing. It's a low esteem that Leah had. So even as reading this, even as reading this, I'm saying, well, if God com had showed compassion towards her and gave her a baby, why wouldn't she return to her first love, which is God? Why wouldn't you just return to your first love? Now she's saying, well, God gave me this baby to do this. And that's what led me to that scripture that said, God, couldn't, he didn't tempt you into that place. You were driven to that place by your own lustful desires. So I believe when I was reading, I said, well, Leah, right there, should have just went back to her first love. Because I did write this, too, on, on one of my books. I put that I was chasing a man that wasn't running from me. I was chasing him, and he wasn't even running from me. So that made me, that, that God revealed to me that that was self-deception. Self-deception, where I seen him running to her, but he wasn't, he didn't have to run, he had her. But I chased after him. And even if he, whatever he says that I need to do, or whatever compliment that he didn't give me, I will make myself up in that nature, in that stature, to present myself back before him to see if he wants me then. But I'm a living witness to that a baby will not keep a man. But if he's willing to go and if he's willing to run, it will only make him tie his shoes a little tighter. And that's it. It will only make him tie his shoes a little tighter so that he can go. It will not keep him. So I believe. So as I said, he converted me from Leah to Rachel. I, unlike Leah, I returned back to my first love. And that's when God revealed to me that the best place to be is not in the hands of man, but it's in the will of God. And that's where I stayed. Yeah. Hallelujah. And Billingsley. Yeah. Powerful. Powerful. And, and think about this. Because there's so much dysfunction in his family, right? We know that Joseph ends up thrown in a pit. He is a byproduct of the dysfunction that was in the house, right? And so we're going to have to come back and, and talk a little bit more about this because sometimes the child is being used as a pawn. And, and I wonder how that feels to be raised in a house in which you're being used to get the attention of the father. And so these are things that we really need to be able to deal with. I wanna see each and every family whole. I wanna see people delivered. I wanna see them healed. I wanna see them set free. But it starts with us doing this right here. We need to have a conversation. This is not a time for anybody to hoop and to holla. This is the time to let's just sit down and let's talk so that we can come to a place of understanding. Pastor Mickey, you had something? Because you, you, you're in deep thought over there. All right. Well, listen, I pray that this has been a blessing to you. If it's been a blessing to you, please make some noise and give God. Hallelujah. Let's give God some praise for Pastor Michael, Pastor Mickey. And Billingsley, come on, y'all, stand up.